Welcome to the Awake Church podcast. At Awake, our mission is simple. Know God, take action. We pray this podcast will help you on that journey. What a beautiful building. I mean, it's, uh, I got the quick tour earlier, but it's such a... Uh, Fulfillment. I just am so proud of uh, Matt and Deb, what they've, what they've done here, obviously, with everyone in the church and leadership and all that, but it always boils down to somebody takes a risk, <clears throat> a big risk, and they did. They really, sorry, I use a lot of gambling illustrations, but they rolled the dice on it in faith, and uh, God really came up with a, uh, a powerful situation for him here. This is going to serve multiple generations here. It's in a key place in a town. I know I came here before before they owned it. We were looking out back here, the trailhead back. Is this the back, right? You have the yeah. trailhead back here. And just where it's positioned in this town near Wake Forest. And uh, there's just so much potential here. It's really, I'm, I'm a bit envious today. I just want you to know that. But if you're not from here, you're looking for a church, this is where you need to be. It's a, it's a great spot. Hey, look with me in Scripture. I'm going to get my Scripture right off, right off the bat here. Uh, it's Psalm 92, and I, <clears throat> I didn't, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I didn't, read, I didn't write down enough of it. Uh, so let me go on here. Psalm 92, and let's look at uh, verse, verse 12. This, um, last fall I was in Canada, and I was in a health food store eating, and uh, uh, they had the, their um, subline for their, kind of like their mission, whatever, mission statement, whatever. And it said, uh, <clears throat> nourish, heal, flourish. And fl- those words just like, it was like someone tattooed it to my heart. You know, I just thought, oh, I love that. Forget the health food store. That should be a church, you know. Nourish, heal, flourish. Like we bring people in, we feed them, get them healed up, and they, their life flourishes. And so <clears throat> I did a deep dive. Excuse me. It's my, uh, where's my microphone? Is it right there? Oh, it fell. No one told me. <clears throat> I can't really throw it before I put it up here. If my microphone falls, tell me I'm an old guy and probably have stuff on my shirt and everything. But uh, anyway, <clears throat> Psalm 92. Psalm 92. Psalm 92, verse 12, it says, The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. Yeah, it makes me think of Florida. Just think about that for a minute. Yeah. Shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord. This is local church, man. Planted in the house of the Lord. Ray's here. Where's Ray? I just met Ray. Yeah. Ray, right here. Yeah, Ray's new. How long have you been going here? About a year and a half. About a year and a half. Relatively new. Yeah, you're in the deep end already. But anyway, <laughs> make sure Ray knows who you are and you get to know him. Uh, <clears throat> those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit. Can you read the rest of that? In old age, antiques, they still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh 
and flourishing. Wow. Well, there's that too. That's why I took care of that last year. Lost 37 pounds. They shall be fresh and flourishing. Why? Look at verse 15. To declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there's no unrighteousness in him. Whose was this? Thank you very much. That Bible's very good, very accurate. Thank you. Yeah, so flourishing's been in my head so much so that we named this entire year Flourish at our church. So we've got Flourish everywhere. We have Flourish t-shirts, Flourish hats, Flourish all stuff, you know. Thinking about doing it again for four more years, you know, going five years because there's something about this moment where the Lord is calling us. It's now, it's a time of harvesting. It's a time of flourishing. It's not just budding. It's like, it's like the flowers are blowing up. You know, when I was walking through Italy in May on the Via Francigena, the poppies were out big this year. I mean, there was, I mean, hills were red with poppies. It's just amazing, you know. The stunning beauty that it was all over the place. There's something especially important about being outside right now. And uh, it always has been, but, but I think, uh, you know, we've been so pulled in, so focused, so that getting outside, it says in Romans 1 that uh, his, his divine attributes are seen in nature. Like the gospel is being preached all around us through nature. That even people that do not know about Jesus are being warmed up by nature. And so that's why one of my big values personally uh, that came to me probably about, it's probably about 15 years ago or so. The Lord started showing me this and I didn't know what to do with it, but I'm going I'm to give you some insight on what I got. Was that beauty is a huge part of our lives. And it's a big part that we miss in the American understanding. We're very good on other aspects. You know, we're, we can do excellent things, create things and all that stuff. And beauty is defined in many different ways. You know, there's a lot, uh, beauty is in the eyes of the beholder. You know, you can look at a cool little car, you know, a Porsche 911 and say, that's beautiful. And your wife's like, well, it's very expensive too, you know. So it's, but there's, there's something that, that when you see beauty, you remember the book, Beauty Will Save the World? by Brian Zahn, great book, recommend it, but I've already given you a couple books to read, so you may want to put that on a long list. Amazing, the power of beauty and how that the beautiful movement, uh, actually 100 years ago, came out of France, hit the United States. It's kind of an interesting metaphor. And they started, the architects out of Chicago started, they chose uh, four cities to make, to call, uh, to make beautiful cities. Garden cities. They'd, they'd invented these all over England, cities that were set apart for the beauty. And Bath, England was one of them. Bath. Bath, England is stunning beautiful. All the buildings are the same stone, so it's got this glow that comes off of it, seven mountains around it, beautiful. Um, the beauty will save the world is that because of the shift from agricultural society, which America was up till the late 1800s, started shifting into industrial and, uh, you know, all those bellowing black stacks that were all over America. I lived in Cleveland. I know what it's like. It's probably where my cancer came from some years ago, those bellowing black towers over the cities. And uh, the beautiful movement was about all these people coming out of beauty, of nature, rule, America started 
crowding up into cities because there was better money, better opportunities. It's just the way it was going. And being a farmer was less of an attraction than being working in a factory and making good money and nine to five and you know blah, blah, blah. Back then it was really 12 hours off and on, but not, no nine to five. So you, you work hard, you know, and, uh, uh, but we, we forgot about beauty. And so what happened was the, the French through Chicago and served this, chose four cities. Cleveland was one of them actually. And um, they invented the concept of green space. You know, and they, they realized that if they took property that was very valuable, you know, man, we could build a big skyscraper on that. But if, if you put green space, it actually became more valuable to the community. Because they found out when people came from the rural areas and came into the area, city, that they were not used to being around large crowds of people, not used to being contained, not used to not being able to see the sky because of the coal soot that was all in the sky and the burning of factories and everything else. And um, they became depressed suicidal, uh, and violent. And so, they, you know, we're having to hire more police, and, you know, I'm so glad that doesn't happen today. But anyway, they had to get more, um, more police in there, and, you know, and violence breaking out everywhere, and divorce, and, you know, uh, um, domestic violence, all this stuff just exploded, you know, during that time. And so they think, what are we going to do? So they invented green space, and they, in, they invented... Uh, the beauty of facilities, and they found they wanted to go back to the Roman Greco. The last thing that's really associated with, with beauty, dominance, outside of the Renaissance, would be which Renaissance was just a rebirth of Roman Greco, kind of understanding architecturally. And so um, I went back to that, and they started building choice buildings. Like Washington, D.C. was actually built by a plan you know, uh, and the buildings are the look the way they do because it's believed to be, oh, State Farm agent's calling me, hold on a second. <laughs> Can't talk right now, okay. Um, they, they, those buildings are meant to bring peace. There's something about the, the architectural, the solidity of it. You know, they're usually made of stone, beautiful stone, marble or something like that, granite. And um, the way they're designed, they found, you know, the pillars and and the contours of a building is so amazing. I'm not an architect, but I tell you, I, I think like one sometimes. And I love the fact that engineers do not like architects. Architects do not like engineers. You ever notice that? Because engineers are, are precision. They get the job done, get her done. It's done well. You know, they're very much on the excellent side. Architects look at it and go, well, what if we made a little curve in the building over here? Oh my gosh, it'll cost a fortune to do that just to get that. You know, so, so you've got that, got that battle. And if you notice in the 70s, 1970s, was run by engineers. There's nothing beautiful that came out of the 70s, architecturally. Those are like the gulag buildings. They're all concrete, you know, real narrow windows because we thought, you know, the sun was going to burn up the earth pretty soon. So we needed more narrow windows. And it's like, you look at them and you're like, Man, what do you do with you know, I can tell you what you do with them. You, you bulldoze them. You tear them down, you know, because it's not inspiring. I went to a university in, in one of those, and it's like, oh, my gosh, this thing is just so uninspiring. You know, it's funny. We've gone all the way around. We're getting back to concrete again. But we're learning how to do concrete beautifully. Imagine that. Well, this building's a good example of it. And so they realized that right architecture with green space, and you know what? All the crime rates begin to come down peace came upon everyone. So they experimented in four cities, Chicago, Cleveland, Washington, D.C., and the fourth one, I forget, I think it may have been Philadelphia. So Cleveland has about five building beautiful buildings. 
They're still there. They're the best buildings in the city. They were built 100 years ago, you know, in the Roman Greco field, you know. And they're massive and they're beautiful. Oh, thank you. They're massively beautiful. So here's the deal. I started doing a deep dive into that thinking, okay, that's true that how, you know, it's amazing. They, they've now figured out that green and blue, um, slight distraction over here. No, no problem. Just don't let it happen again. <laughs> oh, that's good. Oh, that's very creative there. All right. It's my assistant here. He's just yeah. helping out. So they get all these. Um, I start doing a deep dive on it. What was I saying? Something really important. Right. There. It's no problem. Just let me think a minute. It'll come. What's that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I need to talk about that. So green and blue are the most satisfying colors of the entire color palette. And isn't it amazing that God created a planet that's full of green and blue? Mainly blue. And you don't realize it, but when you get out into nature, it's not just, are you seeing the divine, divine attributes of God? You are tasting heaven. You are tasting the very personality of God. And so when you get out there and you're, you're looking at, that's why they say lifespans are longer for people that live on water. The, the huge desire, did you know the Celts in the 5th century believed there were three thin places in the world that lives like guaranteed thin places? You know, thin places like where you feel heaven on earth. You know, it's like, wow, God is right here. That's a thin place. It's also a thick place, but that's another story. It's a thin place. So you get to the thin place, uh, and they said the three most important thin places in the world is on the water, so like in a boat, on the water, on the coast, or in mountains. And as soon as I heard that, I read that in a Celtic book some years ago, I thought, that's where we all vacation. We go on cruises. It's on water, because there's something about water that just satisfies the soul. I mean, I spent a huge part of my year sitting on the beach. I remember Francis Frangipan. You know who Francis Frangipan is? He wrote some famous books back in the 80s and 90s. Uh, Francis once told me, he said, because he lives now in uh, just north of uh, uh, Naples, Florida. Uh, well, north of Fort Myers in Bonita Springs. He lives in Bonita Springs. Come in an Italian community down there, and he's Italian. And uh, he said, he goes to the, he said I, I go to the beach, and I put up my lawn chair, and I sit there, and I have an umbrella. And he said, I pull my computer out. He's got one of those lawn chairs that has like a little a little desk that you can pull up on it, you know, and put your computer. So he's looking at the water, and he's writing books out there, you know. And uh, some guy vacationing down there walks by, walks by and looks at him over there and goes, oh, my gosh. And Francis goes, what? He goes, I don't get you guys. I don't get I mean, you get a chance to come down here, to be on vacation, and all you can do, you can't get away from your work. You're sitting there, you're working. Francis said, this is my office. And the guy goes, I honor you. It's <laughs> <laughs> his office being outside, you know, what, what revelation, what insight that comes in that, you know. So uh, it stuck in my mind. He told me that probably seven, eight years ago. God bless him. I hope he's okay with his home down there after the hurricane that came through. But, but there's, um, there's something about the very creative, that God set us up to be happy. God said, even after the fall, you know, the earth fell too. You know, it's, and it's, it, creation groans for the sons of God to come forward. Yes. I mean, it's almost like trees are reaching out to you. I love the scripture. It talks about the trees of the fields will clap their hands. 
Have you ever thought about the personification of nature and how that nature is yearning, it's, it's, it's hungering for the salvation of the planet, it's hungering for restoration, it's hungering for renaissance, that's why we treat it, it is our partner, I'm not going to get weird about it, it's not Mother Nature, it's Father God, you know, and thank God that he created this place that's such, so beautiful for us that it's like the Lord gave us an advantage. I'm creating everything here for you to be happy. Do you believe the Garden of Eden was like that? Do you think of this real quick. It's not has nothing to do with what I'm saying, but I think it's really important in this moment. That um, the Garden of Eden was a seed planted in a, in a world that was, well, it says it was without shape, form, or void. And there was darkness upon it. So, you know, I don't know what your understanding is of creation, the devil fall, the Lucifer, Luciferian fall from heaven. But my theory is the earth was dark. It was almost a dystopian kind of environment, you know. Whether there were beings there or not, I mean, it was all kinds of, yeah, the aliens that we're finding are probably from that season. But anyway, and the crafts they had. But, uh, but the, the Lord planted a seed called Eden, you know, this living place. And there's theories that Eden was meant to expand and cover the whole earth. And that, uh, that's why the Lord said, fill, subdue, and rule. Well, you're in a garden. I mean, how big was the garden? It's probably pretty big. Did they ever leave the garden? We don't know, do we? Did they ever step out in the darkness and in the dystopian aspect that was out there? And everywhere they stepped, did it become green? Just like everywhere your foot goes, promised land shall be yours. Did they step out there? Oh, this is cool. Look, the garden's growing. Did you know the universe is growing right now at the speed of light? It's pretty big. Did you see that recent shot back from whatever that thing was we sent up in 1970-something? It was at the edge of the galaxy. And it got a shot back to the, to, the, to the Milky Way and everything. It was right before, I think they messed it up this week. Someone pushed the wrong button and it, we lost contact. But anyway, a couple weeks ago, yeah, like 40 years of research, last week they showed this picture of it and it was like just the blur of stars, like, whoa. I mean, when I saw it, I thought I was, it did something to me physically. It was like, whoa. Because it had this arrow pointing to this little dot over here in the midst of all this amazing Milky Way. And it said, it was like a red arrow that said Earth. And Earth was like a pinpoint in the midst of all this. And, and it was stunning. It was like agoraphobia. I mean, it was this kind of thing like, whoa, it's too open here. But it's like, and, we, and we're so concerned for that planet. And our planet is so complex that, I mean, I've flown around it once. One time I circumnavigated in a, in a plane and, and it's, it's really big. By the way, it's not flat. It's really big. We've got a few people in our church believe that. But it's we're all the way around, and, and it's, it's amazing, beautiful. And I'm, I'm just thinking, Lord, and, and it works down to my little world on that little pinpoint. I'm a little pinpoint on the world. And I think, you know, I get all overwhelmed with my problems, and oh, no, my, this is happening, and that's happening. And in an instant, it kind of like cleared the deck because it was like, you know, we want everyone to feel significant nowadays. I felt very insignificant in that moment, like, who am I? I mean, the most famous people I know are not known from anyone all over the earth. 
I mean, I can think of some famous people that I know, and it's, it's like, uh, you know, they, they've, got, they've got a little bigger dot on the, on the deal there, but still not everyone knows them. In fact, there's people being born every day that will never know them. We're going from 8 to probably 12 billion, supposedly 11 billion. We're going to hit a crisis where we can't grow anymore. I don't understand. That's something about food. But um, anyway, you look at all that, and there's this, you know what that all boils down to? God, has, he knows the hair on your head or the lack thereof. He knows that. He knows the hair on your head. You are a speck on a speck in an expanding universe that has billions, they're saying now billions of galaxies. Galaxies. That's all that we really know at this point and the farthest reaches of understanding that we can see. So, can we just chill? And can we enjoy where we are regardless of what's going on? God's called us to be exemplars that stand out as shining lights like a city that is set upon a hill. We're moving into an age, and I just talked to someone during the break, a couple of people during the break, and physical challenges and problems, I understand that. And we've, we've got to work through those. In fact, we've got to, I'm going to talk about it in a minute, we've got to focus on our body a little bit and make sure that we're getting healthier. This hit me about a year and a half ago, and uh, <clears throat> there we've had, we had um, I've tried to lose weight you know, many times over my life. I was not obese. I was obese according to the government, but I was, you know, I was, I was a healthy American. I was, uh, I was out of the BMI though, you know, and that's the, that's the standard guard now. The BMI, you know, the body mass index. And I was over there somewhere on the body mass index, 187 pounds. It was there, and, and I just I asked for grace, and the Lord showed me a verse in Philippians that was so powerful, because remember, I'm focused on flourishing right now, and so I want to flourish spirit, soul, and body, and uh, I, I want to be a flourishing spiritual person. I want my soul to flourish. I don't want stuff hanging in my head that torments me. I, don't, I, I want to forgive quickly, because it creates torment in the soul. You know, it's like what does it say? Unforgiveness or bitterness is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. You know, it just doesn't work that way. And so we clean our minds out. We, we, we learn how to not conform to the world, which is in worry and stress and hopelessness, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We call it the raking of your garden. The garden of your soul needs to be raked periodically. I try to do it once a month. I, I do a soul... Uh, uh, an overlook of my soul, an autopsy of my soul. And I think, oh man, where did you get that from? Where's that concept, that thought, that, that uh, judgment, that whatever it is? Uh, and what's that, what's that communication you're doing, which is the, the soul, solical part connected to the body? The body's just a slave of the soul and the spirit. Really, all of it should be a slave to the spirit, which is imbibed by the Holy Spirit. And it's like having children. So your senses in your body are like kids. What you speak, what you listen to, what your hands touch, where you go. You know, all that is, is to be brought under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Your spirit, I have theories on this, that when you're born again, you're, you're like a babe. Graham Cook corrected me on that, so I stand corrected. He says you're born as a mature man in Christ I said, eh, I don't know, I get that, but I, you know, there's the, there's the milk of the, of the word, and we're kind of growing, we come in fresh and new, may grow pretty quick into maturity, I don't know, 
I'm not sure what maturity looks like yet. I'm hoping to get there someday. But, but as a babe in Christ, I'm being nurtured in the Lord, you know. And uh, God is kind of growing us up in Him. So we need, to, we need to take care of what we've got. And if you don't, it breaks down. You know, refrigerators break down. If you don't take care of them, cars break down. If you don't take care of them, humans break down. If you don't, you do, this thing called self-care is really important. And it's not something that's like, oh, that's humanism or whatever. No, no, it's being the steward. The Bible says that our body is an earthen vessel, but our body is also the temple of the Lord. You need to, you need to mow the lawn periodically at the temple, you know, and polish up some things in the temple, you know, because you are a representative, the Bible says, an ambassador of Christ. In other words, you represent what heaven looks like. Think about that. When you show up, the people go, woo, heaven, <laughs> Steve's here. Or they go, oh my gosh, I'm going to the other room. You know, you, you've got the span, the spectrum of how you're received. And actually, those judgments of how people treat you are meant to be alerts. Even people that are just downright mean. Some of the best advice I've got in my life are from enemies. I didn't like it. I didn't like what they said. It frustrated me. I got mad at them, but I changed. It's very quiet in here right now, Matt, but the Bible says love your enemies. I think that's not only loving them because it's a Christ thing to do. It's loving them and maybe even thanking them. I was in a uh, Mitchell's ice cream. You wouldn't know what that is here. Sorry. It's the best ice cream place in the world. It's in Cleveland. They have about eight outlets in the area, you know. When you see Mitchell's, even if you just ate ice cream, you go gag yourself, you get rid of it, and you go eat Mitchell's. That's how good it is. So we're in Mitchell's, and my daughter is with me, and uh, um, she's, she's had her spiritual challenges. She's very successful. Lives in a penthouse apartment. She you know, drives a Mercedes, all the things, the accoutrements of whatever that is. She's very, very, she advises me all the time, like I want that or need that. Uh, she's 41, and uh, so we're in Mitchell's. We're over by her house, or you can see her little penthouse up there, you know. And we're in there and uh, order, get ready to order ice cream, and she freezes. She just, she goes, "Oh no, oh no!" I said, "What?" She goes, "The lady that just sued me is 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 right up there in front of us," and I could see, like, I, I know her well. I've known her 41 years. She she was like like anger frustration, her everything, bottled in this, this really ridiculous lawsuit that the lady won and just about bankrupt my daughter, you know. So it's very easy for me to even to become a comrade with her. This is my daughter. It's like, who, where is that lady, you know, like this, you know, I'm thinking, you know, I'm a Jesus touch her or I will, you know, <laughs> kind of a thing, you know, I'm really upset about it. I'm like, I don't even know if I want to eat in here anymore, you know, and, and I, Megan was in that state for about three to five minutes, something like that. And all of a sudden, she got resolved. She's a coach. She coaches women into six-figure incomes, and uh, she's really good at it. She takes women who have like a little side hustle, maybe a single mom or something like that, and they're, you know, making a thousand bucks a month on it, but, you know, they, they just can't make it, but they're putting a lot of effort into it. She comes in and uh, helps them get to, the, to six figures. It's, and it, you know what? It's transformational. 
you know, don't, don't poo-poo money, man. It can be transformational. It's, it's, it's big enough that it's compared to God at times. So it can rule your life. It can destroy you, of course, but also it can be a lifter out of deep difficulty. And so she's doing that, you know, and so she, she, I see that she's like self-coaching. <laughs> she's like, come on, Megan, you know, put that thing aside. You know, I don't, I don't hear anything, but I can see it in her face. I go, well, she's going to go. We're still going to get the ice cream. And she goes ahead and uh, goes over to the counter and tells the lady at the counter, see those four people that are right there? And the lady goes, yeah. And she goes, this is my credit card. When they come through, would you pay for it? And she said, oh, yeah, okay. I said, but don't tell them who, who paid for it. She came back over instantly. Her countenance shifted. Although she's not following the Lord, there's a seed deep inside of her that understands that I will destroy myself if I don't get rid of every vestige of that hurt and that wound that was there. So I watched, you know. I watched as that group of four get up there and they get up there and the lady's taking her wallet out and the lady goes, they're going. <laughs> and then she leaned over to finish off the tip. I didn't see what it was. And I haven't asked my daughter what she did, but it was her moment to give back. I'm going to give a $500 tip to this lady because it's on my daughter's credit card. But I looked at Megan, and in an instant, she was free of this. It was like free. And you know what? I learned from that. I thought, thank you for that coaching experience. I don't want one little rock hanging around. Let me tell you, by the time you get my age, your age, there's a lot of rocks in your garden. And, you know, the more that it rains, have you ever had a garden? Rains create rocks. You ever notice that? You, you rock, you, know, you rake all them out, out of the garden, you're like, oh, it's good. You come back after a hard rain, you're like, where do these come from? Well, the rain reveals them. They just kind of pop up <laughs> from the ground. Frost will bring them up also. You know, it's amazing. It's just like that in your heart. When rains come and difficult times come, it tests your heart. And this is, a, this is why the, the scripture says in James that count it all joy when you encounter various trials. Do you understand? You got to start thinking like God thinks. God's not up there like, look, suck it up. It's a trial. I had a trial. I got crucified. You want to do that? No, you don't, do you? So just this is very little compared to what I went through. No, God is a loving father. And so God looks down and says, okay, there's going to be difficult times on that, on that side of heaven. But how can I use those difficult times to create something greater in their soul? I'm going to reveal the rocks. Every time the rain comes, rocks come up. You go through a difficult time. Did you go through any difficult times building this building? <laughs> you imagine, I, I know I've done it a number of times, how many, how many opportunities? You know, they're either the O and the grow, the grow spectrum is, uh, uh, that I might, I might mention, I might not, I don't know, but grow is a, is a uh, process of, of training or coaching people. But the O is, is obstacles. What are the obstacles? What's the other O? Opportunities. What are the obstacles? Obstacles are opportunities. Obstacles usually make a building better, you know, because you have to rethink something, and then you end up with something like, oh, okay. We discovered things at last minute, like you did out here with that uh, storage area up above. 
Yeah, that happened to us. We were like, wait a minute, we got blank space up there. Can we just open that up and use it? Oh, yeah, yeah, we could do that. We can cut it off the, you know, in the side. And you're like, okay, what, 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 what was hidden in what I built are actually improvements on who I am. And so there's something about by this time in your life, there's a lot of opportunities in your life right now. They feel like obstacles. Well, I'm Irish. I get angry really quick. Well, but you're also Christian. You're a Jesus follower. So that part of the Irish is going to have to go. And so you're going to have to learn some, some self-talk or learn some, go to a counselor, go to a good Christian therapist. When you go to a therapist, I mean, it's not like so that you can just, you know, dump your garbage there and somehow they're going to clean it all up. It's about learning new constructs of communication. Really what it's about. I mean, there's a lot of other things that happen too. But you go to get new language. So if you've got a daughter or a son that's totally off the grid and they're cultural animals uh, with all the stuff that's out there, they're, they're woke, they're whatever, um, you can either be bitter about that, destroy the family, not be able to get together, or you learn how to communicate. You learn how to speak into that. Sometimes you learn what topics to avoid. They bring some up, you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know, it's, it's crazy, whatever's going on, but hey, did you hear about this? You, you shift, you pivot. Why? Because that's love. It's not like, well, I'm not standing up for truth. First of all, we don't always know that what we have is truth anyway. So why insert that into a situation that could ultimately destroy a family? My heart is by the kind, I'm following this model. The kindness of God leads to Repentance. The kindness of God leads to change. The kindness of God by raining on your parade, revealing the rocks, is meant to lead to you being more Christ-like. You're being conformed, shaped, crafted in the image of God. That's why my book, Your Prophetic Life Map, a little commercial here in the middle, A Guide to a God-Crafted Life. I'm selling it for 10 bucks. Normally I sell it for 16, but we can only take cash, so I figured $10 is easy to get. This helps support my grandchildren as they go to Christian school. But it's a, it's a guide to a God-crafted life. That's my goal, is I want to craft a life that represents the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember, we're righteous people. We want to flourish. We want our lives to be flowering all the time, even in the midst of difficulty. I mean, Toronto was really good for me. Toronto baptized me in the spirit of I don't care. I always say that people are, oh, that's terrible. And I go, no, no, it's good. It's not that I don't care for people or I don't care for the planet or I don't care for whatever. It's just the problems, the challenges. Like I, I'm just not, I'm not going to allow it ruling my life. I'm not going to allow the, the cultural, we want to be cultural animals, but not consumed by the culture. We don't want to go into Costco's like, whoa, I got to buy that, I got to buy that, I got to buy that, I got to buy that. You know, we, we don't need 10 pounds of Cheerios. You know, so you learn to like, you pull things in, you govern yourself. And so what I want to do, and these are my notes, by the way, I made them. This is an ancient document from last night. Uh, I'm experimenting with something here, and this is the first group that I'm going to kind of talk about it. It's nothing really deep, but it's, I want to see how it works here, and it, then I, I may be able to export it somewhere else. But uh, um, I, I, I've been searching for years, and I did bring this up a few years ago. This, this is the eraser. Okay. Um, when I was in, uh, uh, it's probably about 15, 17 years ago. It doesn't really matter. Uh, but I, uh, 
I discovered this thing that I shared here a few years ago when I was doing the map here. And it was three Latin words that kind of, uh, I'm going to put them up here. I've actually added a fourth. Permitas. Uh, utilitas. And venustas. And then there's a bonus word over here. It's called... It's either spiritus or spiritus, and, and I, uh, the Latin I, AI may have had it wrong. Uh, spiritus, so because we're recognized that spiritual is a unique component that actually kind of overshadows and governs, oops, overshadows and governs these, these other three. Okay, so what this means is this was created by basically the father of architecture. Father of architecture, this is uh, 2,000 years old. These are Latin terms. So if you're going to build something that will stand, and we all want to do that, right? Our life is the building. Your story, your legacy is what you're building. Like it or not, you're building something. And it can be something that's solid, that's going to last for generations, or something that's going to be depleted and just be a little blip on the, on the picture of the galaxy, you know? So fermitas means... Uh, solidity or, or strong. So you want to build something that's strong. We had this back in the 70s, you know, in architecture. Uh, concrete can be very strong. Good way to build, but it's not very pretty. So firmitas. You want to have foundation, strength. If I, a lot of the church in America, I'm guessing, but I think the polls will back it up, do not know Scripture. A lot of Christians in America do not know Scripture. They think they do, but they really don't. They're not in any kind of daily reading of Scripture. I'm not here promoting any legalism. I'm promoting spear rituals. <laughs> rituals that are spiritual. Spear rituals. Spear rituals are something you do because you know, number one, it pleases God, and we want to please God. It's all over Scripture. You want to please God. We want to please God because of how good He is to us. We love Him dearly. Like we would do anyone we love, we want to please them. It's not aspiring to get bonus points from God. That would be legalism. It's not thinking that if you do these things, you're going to heaven just because of that. That would be legalism because only the blood of Jesus can get you to heaven. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. But you want to build something now. Now it's not about getting to heaven. It's about bringing heaven to earth. It's about taking other people with us. So you, you want to build something strong. You've got to develop, even in this time in a life, if you've never had anything like this developed in your life, Start a daily reading of some sort. James Levesque out of Florida has done some. I don't know where you'd get them, actually. You'd probably get them on Amazon. James Levesque, great, powerful young minister who's writing these little devotionals that are very powerful. And they're right from Scripture. They're, they're like one page long. Uh, it's got a Scripture attached to it. And there's a lot of those kinds of things out there that are all good, I'm sure. But uh, this one I've been especially excited about recently uh, so I'll do that if I get up late or somehow I'm, you know, I'm in a place where I, I'll take one of those with me as a fill-in. But I read and study the Word of God every day. So about 40 minutes of it, enough to get through it. So every year I'm cranking through the entire Bible. I do make some exceptions sometimes. Right now I'm studying deeply through the book of Acts because I want to see, I'm writing down everywhere in Acts that God speaks and how he speaks. It's really weird. I don't know why I haven't seen this before. You know Agabus? It says he was shown by the Spirit. 
that a famine was coming into the region. What does that mean? Shown by the Spirit. What happened? Was it like a PowerPoint thing or something? I don't know. You know, it, I had a prophet friend that saw things on, when he prophesied over people, he saw it on like a teleprompter in his mind over the person's head. And I said, that's not fair. It was John Paul Jackson, actually. He, he would just read the teleprompter. I said, oh, boy, I sweat bullets when I do it. But anyway, so uh, Fermitas is strong. So you, your strength is in the Lord and in the Word of God. You build on the rock the Word of God. Your, your, the spirit and truth is the, is the core of your life. You have to have a life in the spirit and a life in the word. And spirit in this, I mean the presence of God. So the presence of God in the word and in, in times of contemplating the Lord, meditation. Whether it's outside, inside, I don't care. I don't think God cares either, but it's better outside if you can. So build strength this time in your life. And if you do that, people are going to notice. Your family will notice because the word is not like Shakespeare. It's not like, hey, I was reading the other day in the book of Acts, and it says, uh, you know, it, it's not head knowledge. You're going to have that. It comes with it. But it's the knowing of God. You understand the very nature of God as you study. And the weird thing is, it's like a seed that gets in you and begins to change you. So the word of God, it says in Hebrews, is sharper than any two-edged sword. It divides against good and evil. It divides the intentions of your heart even down to the bone. I mean, it's like really serious. You're inviting the very coaching of heaven into your soul, into your personal infrastructure. You will change. You Irish guys, that temper will leave if you're in daily study of the Word of God. I really believe that. If you're not just reading, I'm here to like, oh man, just go, okay, I want five more minutes. Okay, I finished it. Don't do that. If you're doing that, you're better off just reading a verse a day. But I want to encourage you to, to communicate with the Lord in meditation over the Word. That God is with you. You're reading it. You will get fresh things every day. Every day. Even if you've read that verse a hundred times. And you know what? It changes the inside of you. And people are going to notice it. It's like losing weight. Oh, something different about you. That's just Jesus. He's... He's springing up inside of me. He's kind of like in my fingers right now. He's just working his way up. That's what strength means. The second one is utilitas, which is, which is utility practicalities. So it's, let's call it practical. So you want to, to, to build a good building, Matt, I should have told you this a couple years ago. You got to build strong foundation, footers, concrete, all that. You know, rebar, well, you know, it's all, all there. I want to be able to drive a truck in here if I want to, you know. So it's got to be at least six inches. Let's go six inches of concrete, you know. So, but it's, it's strong, but it's got to be practical too. You wouldn't want to build the building and, and they go, where's the restroom? You go, oh, no, shoot. We didn't have restrooms in the, in the uh, design. Why didn't the architect tell us that? So you've got to think through every practicality. From, do you, you boil down to ordering these chairs. I'm a big chair guy, you know. It's like, you're going to get two inch, three inch, or four inch. Four inch is pretty much the max. These are four inch, I think. So they sit on there. It, it, every inch, I think, is an hour of preaching. <laughs> so these are four hour seats. And here you are. <laughs> so, so you want it to be practical. So, and then Venustas, 
is beauty. The beauty, which I feel in many ways, it's hard to say it's the most, I think it's the most important beauty. So, and we're getting better at that right now. The, you know, the architects that are coming up right now are doing some amazing things with, with uh, uh, what would you call it, the... Uh, uh, da, 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 da. Uh, it'll come to me about two in the morning. It's the use of mari- many materials that are not normally used together being brought together into a piece of art. That word. It's, a, it's an A word. It starts with an A. But anyway, it's, 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 it's beauty when you behold something that's made out of something representing something different. It's, it's a form of art. And there's something about taking, you know, so in the 21st century, we've taken concrete and made it beautiful. I mean, people are now, are getting, you know, and you've heard of this, people are getting those waterfall uh, island tops, you know, have you seen those? Where the concrete comes and then it flows over the side. I mean, there's some, it may not be your thing, but there's some really interesting beauty in what they're doing with concrete right now. I mean, look at this building. This is basically a giant Starbucks. It is. Starbucks influenced an entire generation. So did Panera. You know, our, my building in Middleburg Heights has Panera colors in it. Uh, our Brunswick building is definitely Starbucks. It's, it's like this. It's a big building that is very similar to this, painted black on the top. Some of these are cultural things that are going on uh, in order that you can run all kinds of things through there and no one can see it. You know, they don't know it. So it blacks it out. So your focus is forward. The dimming of lights on Sunday is about a forward focus. I'm not saying it's good or bad. It's just part of culture that slips into the church. But it's meant to create beauty. Lighting, all that creates beauty, accentuates. So to build something, a building like this, strong foundation. It's got to be practical. Make sure the kids have good space, youth have good space, and make sure it's beautiful. So Because beauty inspires. Beauty makes people want to come back again. Now, if this is a life what is the firm foundation? It's Jesus Christ. It's the Word of God. There's no other way around it. If you want a spiritual life that is strong, that is lasting, it's going to last into your 90s. I want to be the person, I mean, who knows how we're all going to die. I tell people, people are you afraid of death? And I said, no, I'm not afraid of death. I'm a little concerned about dying, though. You know, dying is a real pain. It can be a very long process. My mom died of Alzheimer's, you know, and, and, and it was a seven-year process. My dad had strokes in his early 70s, and it affected really that he was my partner that traveled with me all over the world, and he couldn't go anymore, you know. He was, it was unsafe, and he had a pacemaker and everything else, you know. And so, so you got to look at these things, like if I'm going to be able to be, and, and this is not a judgment on anything. I have health issues. We're all on some kind of medication of some sort, or supplements. Are going on. So you got, we want to build something strong. We want to build something that's practical, and we want to lean into, I almost think, I, I've not said this yet, but I'll say it to you. But I almost feel this represents times in life. First 30 years, you're, you're building a foundation for the rest of your life. Second 30, you're living practice, you're paying your bills and all that. I believe that we could call this section of life, it's meant for beauty. That your life now is being summed up in these last 30 years. What beauty can we behold in a person's life. And I'll tell you, you sit down with someone who's godly. I'm not talking about someone who just yaps all the time and, yeah, and then, oh, yeah, I was over there and then we did. You know, it's like, oh, my gosh. I, one of my mentors is, is a forever talker. And, uh, <clears throat> and he knows it. 
He laughs all the time. He goes, I know I talk a lot. And I'm like, gosh, man, we've been here two hours. I haven't said anything. <laughs> you know, he's, he's smart. He's very wealthy, very wealthy, decamillionaire, you know, big, big, big numbers, multi-decamillionaire. And, he, and he's older and, and he's a great help, and, but he talks a lot. And, uh, but there's certain times, like, I, you know, I guess if you dig long enough, you find gold. And he'll share something. I'll go, wow, that was really, you know, I'm, I'm, I'll take my phone. He goes, wait, what are you doing? You know, he doesn't like phones. He has a flip phone. And uh, I, I said, I'm, I'm writing it down. He goes, oh, okay, well, that's good. You know, as long as I'm not playing a game while he's talking, he's, he's very excited about it. I said, no, no, you, you said something really good. I did? Yeah, what was it? You know, and I tell him, he goes, oh, okay, good. You know, so, you know, I try to encourage him and everything. Uh, he helps me a lot. And I've known him for 45, almost 50 years, really. So, uh, but boy, he talks, but sometimes you can sit down with a 90-year-old woman and what they share is so, it's been so purified and so, it's so ancient in its communication. You ever feel like you've heard something that is like, like honey, it's like, I don't know how to describe it. It's like the nectar. It's like a fine wine. It's whatever you want to, whatever metaphor you want to use. There are people out there that speak that way. And it's because they have a story to tell. They have a foundation. They've lived a very practical life. Many of them were just sort of, no one really knew about them. But I live in a whole park full of them. And when I start talking, some of them you talk to and you're like, you could listen to them all day. Some people need to, to cut down the two hours to five minutes. And some people that speak five minutes need to stretch, stretch to an hour or so. I went to Canada and I've been separated from a friend for 30 years because of something that someone said to him. And it was horrible. And uh, last October I went there and uh, I called him. I said, Brian, we need to talk. He says, the Lord has been dealing with me. Now, when I left, I was in my 30s. He was in his late, early 30s. Now we're in our 60s. 30 years. We look different. <laughs> this is amazing. I was just up there last week in Canada, and I, I met people that I haven't seen in over 30 years. And they all came up and said, do you know who I am? And I said, no, I don't. They'd tell me, and I'd go, oh, yeah. Right, I remember now. You were a real pain in the neck back then. You know? <laughs> so, no. no, I didn't think that. Kind of did, but no, not really. So... I'm talking to Brian, and as I'm, you know, and I'm, 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 I'm stepping into dangerous territory. We haven't talked thirty years, and we were very good friends. And I said, Brian, I said I miss you. He started weeping. He said, I miss you too. He said, The Lord's been dealing with me about it lately. He said, This is what he said. He said, Would you give me twelve hours? I said twelve hours. Let's not give you two or three. <laughs> He said, okay, I'll take whatever I can get. We got together. We, I mean, we, were, we destroyed the coffee shop. We laughed. We talked. We hugged one another. I mean, I don't know what people thought when they walked by us, you know, because we honestly we were weeping. We were laughing. We were talking. We drank more coffee. Finally, we, said, we, we met together like three times on that trip. You know, just the res restoration of the soul, you know, and how beautiful it was. And, you know, it was like, in that moment, every word that is spoken is a treasure. It's a treasure. It's like, because it's been, it's, been, it's been a bottle of wine sitting on a shelf for 30 years. You pop that thing open, you pop the cork, and you're like, whoa. 
Whoa, I, didn't, I wish we could have been together every day, but you know what? This is catching up really fast. This is catching up really fast. What beauty there is in relationship. So, you know, I, I was just there last week, and he's, he ministered with me. He was one of my ministry team. I called him up. I referred to him. We all got together. We went out to eat. The three couples that were really tight, they were like my right, left-hand type people that I worked with when I went to Canada for 10 years. And there's just been total restoration. And they, they had a big restoration gathering, a, uh, a conference, where they presented me with a rock from New Brunswick. <laughs> it was really cool. But it had, this, uh, it had all this significance to it. It had a maple leaf, you know, all the things that were Canada except the beaver was all there, you know, in, in this little thing. And they presented it to me. And they said, we just wanted to honor you. And the crowd cheered, you know. And it was like I'd planted this church all these years back, almost 40 years ago. It was there 10 years left. And then... Uh, some yahoos got a hold of it after that somewhere down the road and totally destroyed it. So there was no room, and it scattered people all over the entire region. Well, they blamed me even though I wasn't there, and it was years after I left. I got blamed because I was the, I was the father of it, you know. And so I got estranged from this whole group. It was, I stood up there, and a line of people came up weeping and talking, and repenting, and forgiveness. You know, at a certain point, repentance doesn't matter. I mean, I, I shouldn't say that. It, it, repentance is not the breaker necessary. It's the, it's the insertion of love that, that just love, love breaks the back of bitterness and hurt. And one lady just came up to me. She's probably in her, she's in her 70s. And I remember her situation, left angry, the whole deal, you know. And I, I, I loved her as a person, you know. I was her pastor. And she came up and just, she, she said, I, I don't know what to say. And she just hugged me, and we just wept for, I don't know, it was a while. It was a while. You know, after that, she didn't have to say another word. She didn't have to say, she did. She didn't have to say, I'm sorry. She didn't have to say, hey, you know, when you said that, I thought this, and then that happened. You know, you know you, a lot of times you don't need to do that. You really don't. Maybe if it's important, you do that. All you need is love. It should be like a song somewhere. All you need is love. If you start loving your kids, even though they're estranged from you, you're going to win them back. I'm telling you, you will. Buy them things. What's their love gift? I don't know. Buy them something. Send them something. Send them a fruit basket. Send them flowers. Love on them. Invite them over for dinner. Take them out to dinner. Whatever you can do. And when they go, okay, what, what's this about? Just wanted to be with you. I love you. No, no. Well, like, what's it really about? That's it. You don't want to talk about politics or anything? No. No, I don't. You want to talk about Jesus? You're going to give me the Jesus thing? No. I just want to be with you. Do you know how aggravating that is for a soul that's lost? It's like heaping burning coals on their head. You're melting the, cognit uh, the cognitive and you're getting to the heart. And you start doing that. I've had to do it many times in my life with my sister and with many others. A little love inserted at the right time, and it's going to blow up all that bitterness, and you're going to have a life from that point on. It's really a lot easier than you think. So that's the utilitas. You've got to be practical about this, and you want to be beautiful. You want to create a life that's beautiful. So we're going to firmitas, utilitas, beautiful. You need to look at your life, and I'll give you a little assignment. I'm not following up on it, but uh, you're going to, you need to say, right now, what's the area of my life that needs the most uh, advancement, the work. I love to use the word the work. Um, what's her name? 
uh, Brown. Um, yeah, she talks about the work, and I, I like it. I like what she says about it. Yes, we are saved by grace, but we do the work. The Bible says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So we do the work of the kingdom. The work of the kingdom, primarily, your promised land is you. <laughs> I mean, it's all that too, friendly, fame, all. But really, the first promised land you've got to conquer is you. So you focus on you and say, how can, maybe you need, your foundations are weak. We'll get into a ritualistic study of the word, regular. I don't say that in a negative way. I like ritual. I like religion. I don't like false religion or false ritual. But it's important. Discipline yourself unto godliness. That should be a scripture. Oh, it is. The word for that is gymnastic. You know, it's gymnastic yourself to godliness. That doesn't mean lifting weights. It means doing the effort, the sweat it takes to allow Christ to grow in your life that it may manifest in fullness. There is a work to that. It's not a dead work. It's a living work. And so you do that. You say, I'm going to work out myself. I'm going, to, I'm going to strengthen myself, my foundation. I'm going to become more practical about life. I'm going to save for my future so that I don't have to mooch off everybody. That's very practical. So you do things in your life to say, I'm, I'm going to save money. I'm going to live thrifty. I'm going to do what God calls me to do. By the way, I'm, I, I wrote this down. If you do not have good Rx and you have any medications, Get that app. It saved me $200 the other day on one prescription. I've been using it now for about four, whenever it came out, four or five years ago. But all you do is you show that app. There's no cost to it at all unless you want to pay for uh, some advanced thing they've got. I use the freebie. You go to the, the, the uh, pharmacists are not wild about it, you know, but they will give it to you. So my prescription for 90 days was $250, especially uh, expensive prescriptions. I gave it to them. My prescription was $59 after showing them that card. So that's all you have to do. There's no catch to it whatsoever. I've used it for three or four years. These are things you learn when you hang out with old people. So, um, so you want a practical life. And then there's these things on the side. I'm getting closer in my time. Let me make sure. Uh, oh, man, I'm there. Okay, let me just finish this off. And then you can decide what you want to do. Using my notes from midnight last night. Uh, yeah, so over here on this side, so go across here, over on this side you have spirit, oh my gosh, spirit, soul, body, and finances. This is, this is the, uh, these are the cornerstones. Spiritual is the Jesus cornerstone of your life. Spirit, soul, body. This is really part of the foundational thing. But what you got to look at, when you look across this chart, I like charts like this. They just help me think better. I'm, I'm, uh, so um, for you, you've got to look to firm up your spirit, make your spirit life practical, get rid of religion, religious kind of stuff. You know, things that we, the accoutrements of American Christianity. You know, just don't get uptight about stuff. If somebody wants to, uh, you drink alcohol and you don't believe in that, whatever. I mean, uh, the, apparently there's going to be wine in, in heaven at the marriage supper of the Lamb. You know, so I don't, I don't know. Just don't get uptight about it. If they, if they, don't, they don't think that 
there's a rapture or something. I'm not sure anyone knows what's going to happen in the future. Do you? Well, you probably do, but I don't know. I've studied this my whole life, and I'm still not sure. I just know that when he comes, I want to go and be where he is and do the stuff he wants to do with the rest of the galaxies. So uh, what's that going to look like? I don't know. So i got to look at my spirit. Is it, is it firm? So are you based in the Word? You only know that. Is your, is your spirit life practical? I mean, when you pray for someone outside at Starbucks, do you have to go, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Okay, what am I going to do right now? Is I'm going to lay my hand, and the Spirit of God is upon this hand, and I'm going to put it on your head, and you're going to feel the presence of God. That's not practical, really. I think actually you can go, like I did the Jehovah's Witness guy today. I just chatted with him a minute. I know I'm planting seeds with what I say. I asked people, I came here a few years ago, talked about it. Are you a Jesus follower? Are you AJF? I have t-shirts that say that. What's that mean? Oh, it's just, are you a Jesus follower? Are you a Jesus follower? And they go, no. Well, what do you mean by that? I'm a Christian. What kind of Christian are you? I'm Methodist. Well, okay, well, that's good, good. Lord told me always comment well on whatever they're involved in. Well, that's good, that's good. I said, but do, do you, have you, have you asked Jesus to come into your life? immediately begin to insert the gospel, you'll be amazed what happens. And uh, what they do is they, they ask me things like, well, was, what, why are you asking me this? Or, am I a Jesus follower? And I said, well, usually because I either sensed, saw, felt, something with spiritual senses. I tell them that, and it always freaks them out. I go, I just I saw something over you. People are so curious, especially with all this alien stuff right now. Like, you see stuff? A lady in Italy. I had this happenstance situation, my wife and I, with a couple from Australia. And we were on a bus. We had a delightful chat for about an hour. I got dropped off a certain place. They went on three or four more miles, dropped off this other couple. I have no idea where they are, but we're separated in Rome by three miles with people we do not know. And so it was like, hey, it was great. Good to chat with them. Next night, we went to a strange part of the city we really don't go to in Rome. We sat at an outdoor cafe, sat there, got ready to order our pasta, and I'm just looking up at the beauty of the piazza that we're in here, you know, and uh, I look up, and the couple is with the maitre d' that brings, looking around, brings them over to, sh in Europe, they share tables, you know. I brought them over and shared, they sat at our table, and when they started to sit down, they looked and said, oh, here we are again, and I mean, immediately. I felt the presence of God. I thought, the odds of this are like millions that in a city of Rome with people we do not know that we didn't up at the same restaurant 24 hours later, continue the conversation. And she said, what do you do? And I said, I just written a book. So I told her about it. She goes, you wrote a book? What about? And I, and I, I kept it non-religious. She said, you see things and hear things? I said, yes, I do. And she said, did you see anything on me? I said, yes, I did. I started to share with her. And she looked, but she kept looking at my wife, Cindy, like, and looking at her husband and looking at me like, and she's tearing up. And she says, how do you know this stuff? I said, there's a God that loves you dearly. And she said, do you have anything for Harold? <laughs> and I did. <laughs> Harold was like the accountant kind of guy, really, you know, just like, you know, nothing phases him. And God gave me a massive word over him involving the Pope, involving the Vatican, involving... Uh, pornography involving like 
incredible stuff, all which was true. And it was amazing. He was blown away by it. We exchanged emails and so forth. But I, I tell you, the Lord is wanting us to move stealthy as believers, as carriers of the Spirit of God everywhere you go. Today at lunch, wherever you go, I promise you, if you stop and look around, there's an opportunity there. The question is, will you stretch out of your own walls those, those rocks that you've allowed to be barriers in what you do? It's no longer I that live, it's Christ that lives in and through me. I have an obligation in Jesus to touch a dying, hopeless world and to share them from the firmitas, utilitas of my life, to the beauty of the gospel. And that moves right into the spiritual aspect, spirit to spirit, his Holy Spirit with my spirit. And so you look at this. Now, you can go down the list and figure this out on your own. And if you have any questions afterwards, I'd be glad because I'm, I'm developing it right now myself. So your soul, mind, will, and emotions, is it firmed up? Do you need counseling? Do you need prayer? Do you need forgiveness? Is there something? I tell you, if you ask the Holy Spirit, he'll tell you. You know, don't ever ask a question to God that you don't want the answer for because he will speak. And when he speaks, he may speak by bringing up a person in your mind. And you will know the topic. You'll go, oh, okay. If that's on your mind, Holy Spirit, that's what I'm going to deal with. In fact, sometimes when I teach on these things similar to this, I have, when I say, we do an activation where I say, Holy Spirit, let it come to the surface. It does. I say, okay, whoever that person is, text them right now and let them know you need to get with them this week or you want to talk to them this week. Give them a few days to let that simmer in their mind. What are we going to talk about? Somebody that has hurt you, somebody that you've hurt, whatever it might be, you, you get active. You get assertive. Don't say, well, it really didn't bother me that much. I'm over it. It's bothering you. If it comes to the surface at key times when you're looking at something, you're in a situation, it's there and it needs to be raked. And so that's, you're building a foundation in your soul. You're getting healed up. Your soul is practical. Your mind is practical. You can make money with it. Your will, your emotions, your will is submitted to the Lord. And the beauty that will get your soul. Do you know people with beautiful personalities? That's what I want to be. I want to be that person, you know. So I work on my soul. I work on my body. When I realize it is that God wasn't kidding, it's the temple of the Lord. So I asked, I said, Lord, I'll do it if you give me grace for it. And he said, you already have grace for it. Activate it. And I did. I did. I went on a four-day fast. And at the end of that four-day fast, he recalibrated everything. I lost 37 pounds over the next six months. No special program or anything. I did use the Bobby Approved app. If you don't use the Bobby Approved app, you might want it. Uh, you get it on your phone. You can scan everything you're buying at Costco. It'll give you a thumbs up or a thumbs down. If it gives you a thumbs down, it will tell you why. And it's usually because of the oils that are used here in the United States that are not used in other parts of the world. We are killing ourselves right now. It's a whole other topic for another time, but the things we're eating literally are cutting our lives short. So the body's important. You say, oh, it's all gonna burn. We're gonna die. It's gonna be ashes. It's gonna be the dust. Yeah, someday it will, but right now we need it. We need it. I wanna, I wanna live a quality. I wanna be able to hike till I'm 90. I, I don't know what the future holds, but I wanna do that. Well, to do that, I've gotta have a firm foundation. That means I need to work out it needs, I need to be practical about my physical body. I'm going to have to change my wardrobe as I, as I lose weight and get firmed up. I'm now right smack dab in the middle of that BMI. I feel like calling the government and saying, there you go. You happy now? Yeah. The spiritual impact upon my soul is so important. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you the will to do it and the do to do it. 
The will and the do are very important. Read Philippians chapter 2 and you'll see that. So your body, and then finally your finances. I could do a whole seminar on this. Maybe I can come back, Matt, because this is really one of my favorite topics because it challenges God himself, mammon and God. It's so important. I, I thank God that when I was 27 years old, I started uh, saving for retirement. And I'm at that, you know, it takes 20 years for it to hit the big elbow where the exponential uh, growth begins to kick in. When it kicks in, it, it, it's really wild. It's wild. I mean, it leaps forward. It also, it also leaps down sometimes. <laughs> it leaps in uh, 2008, you know, it leapt down. But uh, I lost 40% of my portfolio in 2008. Stood firm, came right back, and it's continued to grow. So you didn't really lose it. It just went on vacation for a couple years. It came back. And then it begins to leap forward again. So if you believe in the U.S. government, which is really the, one of the better bets on this side of heaven, even in its current state, you, you plan for your future. If you're already 60 years old, someone the other day, 62 years old, tell me, I never planned for this. Here I am. I have no money. He said, I have a good job and I'm working at it, but I'm going to have to work the rest of my life. And so he said, what do I do? And they were weeping as they told me this. And I, I walked them through it. Things that you can do right now to improve. Uh, you have lost time. And time is one of the greatest assets in, finan in building financial wealth. So that kind of part is over. Uh, but you can still work. You still have skills. You may have Social Security coming in, some things like that. Maybe if you're blessed, you've got a, uh, a pension of some sort. But you can work it out, and you can live a decent life, and you can fulfill some of your dreams. But you're going to need some help, need some counsel on it. So make sure that you're building a firm foundation financially. That's almost, it's almost too late to do that, but you can control it through a budget that you live by, you, you'll need that. Uh, be practical, learn to give, be beautiful in your finances, use your finances as a, as a way to make friends. That sounds so seedy to say that, but it's in scripture that we win friends through the way that we handle our mammon. Be beautiful and bless people. From $10 to $100 to $1,000 or whatever, sow seeds into people, whether you ever, ever see them again or not. We had a waitress recently. She came over. Cindy and I were sitting there. And uh, I don't know her. It was Longhorn. I wanted a steak, so we went to Longhorn. And uh, she comes over. She chats with us a minute. She leaves. Cindy says, did you get what I got? And I said, yes. She goes, well, how much do you think we should give her? I said, I don't know, $100. She said, I had the same thing, $100. I said, she's a single mom. She's really in a bad place. She needs some encouragement. I didn't know that, but we found out later she, it was true. We talked about it beforehand. We, everything we had was from the Lord. Responding to it is such a beautiful thing. I mean, $100 now is really nothing, you know? So we, you know, and even to the person receiving it with inflation, it's not a whole lot, but gave it to him. She was said, oh, no, no, I, I, no you, you're, this is a mistake. I, you know, your, your bill was this. And I said, no, no, I understand that. She goes, what, like she was undone by it. It's amazing what $100 will do to somebody. She was undone. She said, I, I can't receive this. I said, no, you can. I said, I can ask your manager and he'll, he'll tell you. We had to do that one night. I was with Todd White. We, the lady would not receive the tip. He left her a $300 tip. And, and he said, where's the manager? And she goes, well, he's in the back. Bring him out. Brought the manager out, another woman. She came out and she, he explains it to her. And the manager turns to her and says, Lucy, are you crazy? The guy's giving you $300. She goes, it just doesn't feel right to receive it. And everyone, the, all the waitresses came out. They're like, come on, Lucy. Lucy, take the money. And finally she said, all right. She took the money. And everyone was like, woo, everybody in the restaurant. It was a beautiful thing. It was 300 bucks. 
300 bucks, that's going to be a story that lady will tell to the day she dies. Is that worth $300? Is that worth $100? Is that worth $20? Whatever it is. It's the beauty of finances. I love finances. Such a great way to express the beauty of the Lord. When the Spirit of God touches your finances, you're going to be a different person. And he might even say to you, you know, here's what I want to do for you, but I want you to give everything you've got. I heard a guy the other night talk about that. He said, the Lord told me the other day, give everything I've got. He's 47 years old. He said, Lord, I've already done that like three times. You keep saying this. He says, well, are you ready again? But the, the wealth of blessing that comes in that kind of a moment is there's just no way to purchase that. It's by the giving of your soul that no greater love hath anyone than they lay down their life for a friend. Let's all stand together if we could. I want to pray for you. So here's your choice. What area of your life? I know you could say, oh man, I'm really messed up. It's every area. <laughs> you know. Okay, pick the best of the worst here. Something you feel like you can fix pretty quick. You can make some action on. Typically, that, I mean, quick fixes on, on the spirit is get into some routines spiritually. Read the word, hang out with Christians. Get into a local church, small group, whatever. Get involved. It, even, I, 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 told, I just preached in Canada. I said, Everyone needs a church. Everyone needs the level of agitation that comes with being in a church. You don't get it anywhere else. And you know what agitators do in a washing machine? It cleans your clothes. And the Lord's going to present a bride without spot or wrinkle. It's going to be the church that's matured in learning how to love. This is a love-illusion. This is a, a, a lovatory. It's a laboratory of love. We're learning to love so we can export it out into the streets. So that's important. Your soul. If you want to work on that, you might get, get, get counseling. Go to someone who you can share your heart with. Get a couple of ladies that are around you if you're a lady. A couple guys around and say, man, I'm really, I'm really messed up. This group right here, I think, could be a great group in the future. We have one, uh, they call it the lunch bunch or something like that. They have lunch together and then they hang together for like three hours, you know, at our church. And they have so much fun. I mean, I don't know what they're doing in there, but it's... it's uh, it's wild. Uh, I speak in there periodically and try to encourage them and everything. It's a group about this size. And uh, you can get together weekly and, or whatever and, and just have coffee together or form small groups and begin to grow in your soul. Your body is really up to you. Do you have a good foundation there? Do you have physical problems you need to deal with? Figure out how to get that fixed. Is there things, way, things you can do? You've been needing a surgery you haven't got. I, I love the medical community. They saved my life several times. I had open heart surgery three years ago. Um, it was a, uh, a birth defect that they had to fix because there was an uh, aorta problem in the, uh, it was a, uh, what do you call it when it's, there's a, uh, an opening in your, uh, shoot, it'll come to me. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> they had to go in and fix it. So they put a cow sleeve uh, over that bovine, and so I do move, move periodically, but other than that, it's uh, the body, tend to the body, treat it as one of your greatest resources, way more than money, because the body will steal all your money if you don't take care of it. So get a foundation, eat right, be practical. You can have ice cream periodically, just be practical about it. You can't live on ice cream. You can die on it, you can't live on it. And then beauty, sometimes... You know, I'll eat something just because it's beautiful. 
you know, that it, that it inspires me. I think that's beautiful. And, and almost anyone that makes something homemade, I will taste. I really will. Because, you know, I'm a pastor and they, oh, here's chocolate chip cookies, you know. Okay, I mean, I eat them all, but I'll, I'll have a taste of it. And I, and I comment on it, you know, because it's, it's, it's a beautiful expression. Food is so powerful. I did a 12-week series on it in the fall last year called The Supernatural Power of Food. We actually served a charcuterie in a cup to everyone in the church during the sermon. We took it together. We ate it together. I told them what the cheese represented. I told them what the <laughs> grapes represented. I told them every aspect. The almonds were in there, the whole deal. And they were like, you should have seen, we had wait, waiters and waitresses coming down the aisle serving charcuteries in a cup like that. And people are like, what is he going to do now? You know. And so we went through it in a, in a sense of honoring the provision of the beauty of food and how God used it. Not, you know, we're not just eating manna every day. We, there's some pretty beautiful things out there that you can eat. So, um, so there's, got to, there's beauty in all these aspects in your body and in your finances create uh, a foundation and so forth in that. So find out what is your square. You know, is it your soul, practicality of your soul, uh, getting, or getting the strength of your soul through scripture reading? Block in that, make a plan for it, and say, what am I going to do between now and the end of the year to shore up that weak spot Spirit, soul, body, or finances. Does that make sense? All right, let me pray for you. Jesus, we thank you for this group. And I'm sorry, Lord, for going over. But I pray, Lord, right now that a stirring would be in each heart as they feel even hunger physically in their heart because it's noon. It's just our cultural time to get hungry. I pray, Lord, in the spirit they will get hungry also. Like, I want to live an excellent life for Christ. I want to be an exemplar to the generations after me. I want to be an example in my neighborhood that all my neighbors are going to know that I'm a follower of Jesus and I'm a good neighbor. I mow my lawn. I weed whack. I do edging. I've got a good lawn on the street. Why? Because it's required of me as a believer that I demonstrate the beauty of Christ in every area of my life. So, Lord, I pray for just that spirit of excellence that's upon heaven itself comes into this room. And I pray, Lord, as this group is kind of being, let's just say this is its birthday. You know, we don't know what it's going to become, but a birthing of a kind of a senior ministry or whatever we're going to call it, the antiques or whatever, <laughs> whatever it's going to be, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you will, this will be like a brain trust and a financial chest for the church. Or even Matt and others will be able to come in and say, hey, we're facing this problem. You guys have a lot of experience in this. Uh, what logistics would you recommend? Or what solution do you have? I mean, what, what a trust this group is right here in this room. We've probably got, I don't know, a couple thousand years of experience in this room. And so, Lord, I, I bless that trust right now in Awake Church that this will be like a, a financial, spiritual, soul trust of healthy, strong people that are, that are breaking through some of the physical difficulties of this age bracket and living a life that is beautiful before you. Above all things, Lord, I pray that, that the beauty of the Lord would come upon this room and it would beautify the saints. The Bible declares that those that worship the Lord I think the literal Greek, Greek or Hebrew word is, is beautification. There's a beautification 
of the glory of God and the worship of the Lord. May the glory of God be upon this group. I pray for innovation. I pray for problem solving. I pray for beautiful lives to come out of this room. I thank you, Lord, for each and every one. I wish I had time to prophesy over them all. Maybe tomorrow, I don't know. But Lord, I just bless them. In the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord, that a deep hope would come into them, a deep faith. I thank you, Lord, that what was it you gave, the Lord gave me something the other day, like that he has um, uh, joy unspeakable, love that never fails, and peace that passes understanding. Wow, isn't it cool to be related to a God that has joy unspeakable, peace that passes, and love that doesn't fail? How can we fail in the midst of that? We can't. Jesus, let your spirit come in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for your opportunity. appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Wasn't that wonderful? Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. And just a couple of quick things I... I just wanted, you, you never gather together as at this age group at Awake, and uh, yeah, whatever this is, and I just want to also just, you know, some of the things that he was saying as well as our heart at Awake, I want you to know that you are so needed and valuable and wanted, and you're not over the hill, right? You're not over the hill. I really believe your very best days are from here till the end, not behind you. Ahead and and also I want to speak for I'm kind of in the middle I'm 54, so I'm right on the edge here and you know the so I'm from the the next group I'm not not the boomers I'm the X generation but the millennials and the Z's need you. You are needed your wisdom, your heart, your experience, your love, uh, really and I think as Steve was saying that's going to come to the forefront more and more here as we go and so um, we got some stuff to do. And to enjoy and to live, live big. So thanks for coming today. Have a wonderful rest of the day. And we'll see you in the morning. We're blessed. Thank you for listening to today's message. For updates on future episodes, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review to let us know how we're doing. For more information about Awake Church, visit awakechurch.com.